Welcome to Community in Arabic, a podcast show sponsored by Lipton Yellow Label. We'll be chatting with successful Arabs in the U.S. and Canada and learning about their journey and how they positively impact their community. We are your hosts, Malik Abdul-Samad and Anwar Gibran. We are really excited to welcome Dean Emma Andrawas. She's the Dean of the um, School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University, um, a graduate of um, McGill University for undergrad and then Harvard University for grad school. Um, Emma, thank you very much for being here with us. Thank you both. This is very uh, wonderful. Yeah, really excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we'd love to have this conversation, of course. So we'd love to learn more about, uh, you know, uh, this interesting journey, uh, uh, being, of course, uh, in Europe, then, then Canada, then, uh, then the United States. Uh, uh, would you tell us more about that? So I was born in, in Beirut uh, in 1973. Um, and um, my first... Uh, Memories were memories of anxiety about the war. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, two and a half or so. Uh, and uh, just remember, you know, I would stay up uh, at my grandmother's house hearing the family talk about where every everyone was going to go, you know, Bahrain, uh, Saudi Arabia, who was going to stay. So then kind of idea of uh, leaving uh, and, 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 uh, emigrating was very is very much um, a sort of part of my psyche in a way um, and so we left when I was three uh, and uh, my father who is a painter and an architect uh, actually practiced architecture for about 10 years in Lebanon uh, before the war started and then uh, as a result of the war um, started a company in uh, in Khobar uh, called uh, Arabian Polyfab. He was focusing on prefabricated housing and kind of uh, working on competitions for new new towns in Saudi. And, uh, and so we moved to Saudi uh, and uh, it was an interesting, you know, very interesting time, uh, sort of complex, you know, as a child, uh, it was a very happy childhood going to the beach and uh, very kind of hours um, sort of living, but at the same time, you know, obviously as I, I grew up, it became more complicated than it, when I understood the uh, difference between the genders and, uh, um, and um, but certainly sort of my father's uh, passion for building and being on construction sites and uh, affected, uh, inspired me in some, in some ways. Um, and already uh, then, you know, uh, we, my education was really half French, half Arabic, uh, and I learned English on uh, um, Aramco, watching Sesame Street. <laughs> so we moved to Paris uh, when I was 11, uh, and, um, and there I went to middle and high school. Um, it was also an interesting time of being... Uh, sort of inside and outside. I think that's kind of the experience of moving is that you, you're never really part of a place. Um, but I think that that sometimes feels isolating, but uh, in another way as an architect, it offers you this notion that you can always see things from somebody else's perspective, right? Which is so crucial to what we do. We, we It's not just projecting what we think, it's hearing and discovering what the others. And so I think that's a very uh, sort of interesting strength to be inside and outside of a, 
of a place. And, you know, in Paris, I, I literally, I had my French friends and my Lebanese friends, you know, and I, I did, they just didn't mix very well. So I, I just kept these two sides separate. Uh, I mean, they're connected in me, but but somehow I couldn't, I couldn't bring them together in, in reality, but I bring them together through my work, you know, now. And then finally in, in, uh, uh, I guess in, when I graduated from the French baccalaureate, uh, we moved to, to Montreal and this was a really, an, uh, a kind of, we immigrated to Canada. It, my parents felt like you never really become French. And so uh, Canada was welcoming um, and uh, went to McGill. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to be an architect because my father was an architect. So I ended up doing a year of economics, which I didn't really enjoy, but I had to do well because finally I decided that architecture was really what I wanted to do, even though he was an architect. And so, um, so when I finally got into architecture school at McGill, it, it really, I felt like I found uh, a new family, a new home uh, community, you know, intellectual family. Uh, that, uh, and so it really became the place where architecture became a, the discipline where I found that, you know, as, as architecture can kind of bring many different things together and, and they don't have to be perfectly resolved. You, you don't have to choose. You can, you can maintain a sense of tension or conflict in design and, it becomes a hybrid, it becomes something else. And I, I really love uh, that complexity of architecture, especially to think about issues of culture and you know, how, you know, what, what are our differences? What, what brings us together? And uh, it was just a wonderful time. Uh, and uh, Montreal had, again, a very, very large uh, increasing community of uh, Arab immigrants and it was, it was really great because it wasn't just Lebanese. It was a kind of very much, much broader and richer uh, community. And I really felt we came together uh, as Arabs, you know, uh, in a way that in, in Paris is it was a little bit more uh, like the more you, the, the further you left Lebanon, the more you could come together uh, in new ways. And I thought that was wonderful. Um, and then I, you know, um, wanted to go to graduate school, applied to both Columbia and, and Harvard, and then in the end decided <laughs> to go to Harvard. Um, um, sort of, I wanted, um, uh, was very interested in um, studying with Rem Koolhaas, who was teaching there at the time. Uh, and so the second year at Harvard, I joined uh, Rem's. Uh, uh, sort of what he calls, he called at the time the Harvard Project on the City. And uh, what I liked about Rem's approach is that he already was an architect who was really moving away from a kind of Eurocentric narrative of architecture and, you know, sort of asking the question, you know, what does globalization, what is globalization doing to architecture? Why aren't we studying all these other um, places that are urbanizing, whether it's uh, the UAE or China, or you know, it's sort of always pushing the boundaries and and not sort of centering the field always in the same kind of very <clears throat> European um, perspective. And so I was very interested in that much more global, much more culturally rich um, approach to thinking about cities and architecture. And after working with studying with Rem, I ended up 
moving to Rotterdam to work for his firm, OMA. Um, and <clears throat> my current husband and, and partner, uh, Dan Wood, was um, a sort of a principal at the firm. Uh, at the time, I was an intern, you know, so it was a little bit unbalanced. Uh, but, uh, uh, and OMA was amazing, uh, just, uh, you know, young, hungry uh, architects uh, uh from around the world, just kind of cutting their teeth. So it was school after this, after school, you know, and I, I think I really cherish that. And it's something that in our practice, we try to do as well. You know, it's not just about, it's really about teaching and mentoring and, and creating this environment where anyone's ideas is, are, are, is welcome, are welcome, you know, and there's this kind of sense of creativity, but also criticism. And so that was very form formational, um, and then, you know, we got married, Dan and I got married in uh, Rotterdam in, on September 1st, 2001. And it was really a great celebration of cultures coming together. We had family from the Middle East, you know, his family came from the U.S. We had our friends from all over the world. And, and 10, years, 10 days later, September 11 happened. And it was a really... Just we we had this very strong sense that the world, what and our world especially, um, the kind of relationship between the U.S. and the Middle East was going to change even more radically. And uh, but to be honest, we didn't we didn't really know. We we knew we it was time for us maybe to leave Europe. Um, that this is, wasn't the place where we could start our kind of life together, um, and. Rem was moving to China. We weren't ready to go east yet. Uh, the Middle East seemed difficult for Dan. Um, so, you know, the U.S. was a little bit of a, a default choice because I could, I'm adaptable, right? I think we're adaptable as, as Arabs and, 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 and as Lebanese. And so, but first we tried Los Angeles actually for a few months. Uh, and um, I just felt it was too far from my center, it was too far from, from Lebanon, from the Middle East, from Europe. So New York, you know, again, New York was a choice uh, to be in the US, but not fully in the US, you know, to be in a global city in a city where people from very different backgrounds come together. Your thought process of choosing uh, the US and North America, uh, was it because uh, North America is the land of immigrants. Uh, 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 there's a big Arab community here, uh, and and of course the land of opportunity. Uh, yeah. Was that part of the thought process when you, when you chose North America? Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, even for my family, right? It, 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 after living seven eight years in in France, and it just it just felt that it, we just weren't gonna. We could adapt, but we weren't going to integrate fully. That was the feeling we we had. That was the feeling my parents had. And Quebec was welcoming us, and Canada was welcoming us. And um, so it, it really the the so I, I would say the the sort of big move was was Canada first, um, and as a as a as a land of opportunity, as a land, um, and um, and then from there, kind of anchoring. Uh, into kind of North America. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, this, if I think of the opportunities that I've had 
as a result of both moving to Canada and and to the U.S., you know, it's a trajectory that um, I don't know that I would have had anywhere else. So it it is it is hopefully still that uh, possibility. Um, so you lived in some of the most architecturally significant cities in the world. I mean, from from Paris to, to even like Boston, they're very distinct. You know, in New York and Los Angeles and Rotterdam and Montreal. Um, you know, how did your career choice influence your choice of city where you want to live, you know, even within the U.S. or Canada, to be like specifically in New York and not go back to Boston, for example, and not go back to, to L.A.? Yeah, that, that's a it's a really good question, actually, because um, I think that, um, you know, if you think of Paris, um, that wasn't my choice, but but the sense of Paris, obviously, it's like, you know, the city that everybody dreams of. But it, it's really a, a kind of 19th century, in the end, city, or it's hard to think of adding, um, it, it's hard to think of transforming such a perfect, almost museum-like city. Um, and Rotterdam, in contrast, that was one of the things that was interesting in um, the generation of architects like Rem Koolhaas or MVRDV or these architects that chose Rotterdam was because it wasn't Amsterdam. Rotterdam had been destroyed um, by the Second World War. And so there was a lot of possibility for experimentation urbanistically and for thinking differently about architecture. And so that's, that, you know, that was, even though it's kind of ugly, it was really kind of sort of interesting. Um, and uh, so then when we decided to start the practice, you know, Los Angeles is fascinating, but I think our sensibility, Dan and I, is really much more urban and European in terms of this this idea of urban density or or walkability or uh, you know that that the, just just the kind of car culture didn't feel right. Uh, I hate driving. It, it just that it just didn't feel right. Even though we love LA, it just didn't feel right for us. Like when I think, uh, and and I think New York is really some a sort of pragmatic uh, coming together of very many different histories and tendencies. You know, actually, I, I can connect with that so much because I immigrated to New York first. And I always say New York is similar to home, although it's really not. But the similarity is in it being, you know, dense and walkable and you can get everything around. You don't need, you don't need to drive anywhere. And then you get that sense of belonging, which after living in, in many cities, it feels like this is what we're looking for. It's not the buildings on the streets. It's really a sense of belonging somewhere where you can feel like this can be home for me. So yeah. it's, and and New, York, New York still, still does that, right? You, right. you arrive and you, it's, it's sort of, you get your bearings very fast and, and it, it feels um, like, like you can, you can, it feels accessible. Like it doesn't feel hidden. Uh, uh, as as kind of some European cities feel. I, I was just going to say, I mean, just to follow up on the career choice, you also started a business in a hyper-competitive market, right? So d d when you went there, did you think that New York is going to give you access to an international opportunities um, or just like so many other institutions that you want to be close to an institution like Columbia? Um, or was it just a choice of the city, regardless of how tough is it going to be to make it in the city? Um, you're like, you know what, I'll get there and I'll compete. I think it was the former. It was the sense that, you know, at the time there was, uh, you had 
our generation of architects, like you had some architects who really anchored themselves very locally in a city. It, it's a moment where you start to have an architects that are very, I'm thinking about, I don't know, Tatiana Bilbao in Mexico City or even Jeannie Gang in Chicago, the sense of like anchoring. But since we didn't really have this anchor, it was important that we were in New York as a kind of much more generic um, um, uh, international, global, you know, a sort of platform uh, uh, from which at the time we thought, you know, we can we can still work in the Middle East, we can work in Europe, we can work in the U.S. Like it, it, and and it and it is close to all these amazing institutions, and we started teaching, and so um, it's it's kind of a, a cultural hub, uh, and and so yes, you get the um, the it's it's very competitive relative of starting in a in a, in a in a city where you might have fewer architects, but at the same time, it's just an incredible network, uh, right? Colleagues and you know, um, um, and so I think that was the choice that we were we were going to be part of that landscape. What do you think the the mindset and and the the traits of a successful leader? That, uh, that, that our Arab immigrants and our community should, should look for or should, should focus on? There's the classic work hard, right? You, you know, nothing can replace that, a sense of work ethic um, and um, a wonderful generosity, a, a capacity to connect uh, with with other people and uh, and you know these are characteristics that are so important you know I think um, not just as an architect but I think you know as 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 a leader to understand complexity to understand difference to understand different perspectives to to be able to bring people together um, I think it's not just a, a sort of um, a singular vision right you you really have to um, to build a sense of uh, coming together around ideas and 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 mobilizing together, and you know, I I think that the richness of our culture and of our history and our entrepreneurial uh, sensibility and ideas, um, it, it it's just these are really incredible qualities um, that are very helpful when you are confronted with. Um, complex situations with many different voices and um so so i think i think these are the we, we should value that richness right um you know, we're also really interested in hearing about your experience as the dean of architecture planning preservation school at columbia you were you know the first woman to hold that position and also an immigrant i don't know that there's so many arab immigrants that made it um that made it there and part of that journey bringing a lot of Arab topics or topics about the Arab city into an Ivy League school like Columbia University, which was not necessarily the norm before. It wasn't a topic that's you know, often picked when you're in an architecture school in the United States. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. The first conference, which was my own scholarship as a professor, was on the question of the Arab city and, and the question of how the Arab city has been represented in, in sort of um, uh, architectural history, or but it wasn't just historically. It was a, in it, it was uh, sort of picking up on uh, you know the new developments that had 
been occurring in the UAE and and the sort of urbanization and wanting to reflect, you know, wanting to reflect on the question of global practice through the lens of um, of this question of the Arab city and its representation. And certainly, I think that set the tone uh, in terms of saying, you know, the school again can't be just about. Uh, uh, you know, we need to look at uh, what we call the global south. We need to look at what happens in the Middle East. We look, need to look at Latin America. We need to be, you know, understand uh, the changes that are occurring in different parts of Asia. You know, so the kind of globalizing of the perspective at the at the school, not just as kind of opportunity in in the sense of a kind of contemporary, a new contemporary landscape where architects can just jump around from one place to another, uh, but rather really question how we approach these different contexts and and cultures and how we uh, need to uh, understand them, not reduce them, not orientalize them, not, you know. uh, And so, you know, this was really, um, it was very exciting. It was a very exciting moment to say, um, you know, we, we have to, we have to look at these complexities and, and bring them to, to the focus in terms of the curriculum and in terms of what we teach and how we teach. And right. Was the university supportive of that? Did you have to push you know, hard for the university to adopt these new topics into the school? No, I mean, it, 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 it actually, President Bonjour came at the conference. He was very interested. Uh, um, and it was like the first month of my deanship. And um, no, it was, it was, you know, I think the University Columbia in particular um, has had a, a long standing commitment to, um, to, be a, to being a global university. And um, they have these kind of incredible network of global centers. And, you know, there's a, there's a long history at Columbia also uh, with Edouard Said and uh, Misas and, you know, to, of engaging the region in very critical and, and, and um, um, uh, in very critical and productive ways. So that there is that, that kind of long tradition that the uh, university is proud of. And I think in terms of the school itself, um, we have, the notion that we have students again from all over the world and increasingly from the Middle East and you know they they students want to understand um, a much broader context today than than a sort of narrow perspective on uh, on kind of European architectural history maybe that in return attracted more more Arab immigrants yeah. to come and and uh, uh, learn about these topic academically from a big institution like Colombia Absolutely. Definitely, and I've seen a, definitely an increase um, in terms of the, which is very exciting for me in terms of students uh, who are coming from all parts of the Middle East, uh, from Saudi, from Lebanon, from Syria, from my, my brother uh, being Jordan, one, uh, Kuwait, the UAE. I mean, it's it's been it, there's definitely been an increase, and I, I'm really it's wonderful for me to see that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that line of, of um, you know, discussion about the Arab city has spread to other institutions where they started focusing more about these topics, especially given all, all the crises and complexities of, of the Middle East today? You know, I don't, I don't know that other schools have the same intensity of focus on different regions without making them kind of 
you know, area studies. And but it's much more about always questioning whatever center it, it exists. The school wants to question it. Uh, the impact you left on on the Arab world in terms of your research about the Arab city is went beyond academia because now you're doing some projects in Lebanon, like design-wise. Can you tell us a little bit about yes, you know how that definitely. works? Uh, so with with um, with WorkAC, my practice, we did a number of kind of more theoretical competitions and uh, studies. Um, uh, for different parts of the Middle East and for Beirut as well, sort of, you know, questioning uh, the reconstruction or, you know, uh, but more recently, I think in the last few years, we we started to have actual projects, which is really exciting. And um, uh, we're just completing a big residential project in Batroun, just north of Beirut, uh, which, it, you know, speaks to our interests of, um, of trying to imagine how you can create both density and real access to uh, sort of um, outdoor living and greenery. So it's it's the roofs are all green roofs, and it's a sort of topography that uh, that lands in the sea. And so you know, really kind of connecting architecture and, uh, and ideas about the environment in in new ways. Um, so that's our big project there, and then we uh, we are uh, we. Hopefully, we'll still do the Beirut Museum of Art, which is now um, on hold, but that's very exciting. And that was uh, originally in competition as well. And it'd be great to reconnect through practice. And uh, Great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm really interested to learn about... So uh, there's a lot of people, they, they go the academic route, they become professors, they become deans. Uh, they're so successful in the academic route. There are different kind of people. They they go into more of the of the business world. They start and they co-found their own companies. They're they're more of an entrepreneur. Uh, you mix both worlds. How do you look at both journeys uh, in terms of academia and entrepreneurship? And uh, do you think being an Arab and an Arab immigrant? Uh, because as you know, back home, uh, everybody wants to do their own work, uh, their own business, uh, wants to, uh, to to have their own thing. Yeah. Do you think uh, being Lebanese and being an Arab uh, kind of inspired you inside to, yeah, I want to do my own thing in addition of being uh, academic? You know, I never thought about it this way, but why not? I think... <laughs> Um, I've always wanted to do my own thing. Um, and, um, I mean, even, even when I, my first job, whatever, in Montreal, I worked for a really great firm called Atelier Big City. And then, you know, every single, I always knew that, that, you know, even when I was working for REM, it was, I patiently waited for them to finally have enough so that we could start our own practice um, that's always been my dream, and it's still my my dream. I uh, even though I'm doing it, I you know I I, I want to do it more fully uh, at some point. Um, uh, and it you know it's interesting. Maybe it is in our yeah. sort of blood um, that we we want to uh, start things and do do them our own way, and and not just be you know kind of fitting in these large. Uh, bureaucracies and so uh, and for me it's very important to have that feedback loop you know I think 
I think uh, I, I really, uh, the, you know, I think the academic space gives you a chance to articulate positions and a perspective outside of the demands of, uh, you know, paying the bills and right. I mean, you, you can you can kind of take the time to, to really reflect uh, on this moment and you know on the contemporary situation in so many ways. But I think for me, doing that in isolation from the unbelievable transformations that are happening uh, every day in practice that are happening around the world that are, you know, that are just so surprising. Like if, if we can't theorize, you know, what's happening in the world and bring it back, think about it and then kind of come back with a new position to how one can practice. For me, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. I think the, the two need to really be in conversation always because sometimes I feel like what's happening out in the world is so much faster and so much more is happening in terms of, I don't know, research into new materials, you know, towards more sustainable building. That's industry. That, that's not being driven by, uh, in, maybe in Europe, in places like Eteha, there, there's kind of, it's not driven by, by, by academic uh, research, but you have incredible critical scholarship, uh, you know, in 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 academia that that I think now is actually pushing practice of all these technologies, whether they're data or they're material or they're you know green tech, you know whatever they are, that that line of questioning in terms of issues of equity and and uh, and uh, impact and. Uh, um, that that those questions are obviously now really really happening um, in the academic sphere, and so to be able to bring these two in conversation through one's own practice and work is crucial. What are the challenges that that if I'm currently a young uh, architect and I want to start my own firm, what are the challenges that I might face starting a firm right now? Uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't think starting is hard. I think starting is so exciting because you you have such a fresh perspective on everything and you are irreverent. Uh, we were certainly irreverent. We you know wanted to do everything differently and just um, I, I think what's hard is the kind of steps, right? There's there's scales, right? Um, I think what's hard is jumping scale. Uh, uh, and then not not jump modulating those jumps like not jumping too fast Um, and so you want to build a culture you want to build an ethic of work you want to build if it goes too slowly you don't gain the momentum and then you know the next wave and the next generation is coming Uh, but if you go too fast uh, I think you can get lost in feeding the monster um, that um, you know that becomes the the practice. So I think scale, having a sense of control over the over scale. Um, that's what entrepreneurship or the sense of being more entrepreneurial and hybridizing. But you you have, for example, if I look at GSAP Colombia now, we have many more architects who are choosing also to do the real estate development program or doing planning. The kind of dual degrees. I think we we have a lot of. Uh, students and graduates who are hybridizing because it, I think they feel like it gives them an edge 
uh, and gives them more agency in shaping the kind of practice they want to uh, to have. Um, and, and I think that's that's the both the exciting part and the, the difficult part is that there's so many different ways you can shape a practice today. Like you, you're no longer just necessarily the architect sitting back waiting for the you know for the phone to ring. Uh, some architects are starting nonprofits so that they can do certain kinds of work. Some architects are uh, combining with uh, development, with contracting, with design build. There's more and more, you know, so these kind of hybrid uh, uh, forms of practice, I think, are very much the, fu- the present and, 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 and certainly the future. So speaking of the future, um, you know, you've, you've, at the top Ivy League schools, you've had a successful practice, um, you, you've been around, what is next for you? Like, what is it that you would love to do next? Thank you for this question. Um, if, I, if I think about my scholarship and, and my interests, it, it's really kind of these two things that I've, that certainly in my practice with Dan, we've tried to, in, to intersect. We, you know, on the one hand, there is the question of culture and specificity and complexity and 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 um, and kind of uh, uh, being very aware of uh, a place uh, and its history. Um, but on the other hand, I still believe that we have to come together uh, in terms of climate change. Like I, you know, there there still needs to be ideas that go beyond the differences the, uh, in terms of identity and identity politics and yeah I really feel like and we're and so my my passion is climate change and how architecture and building can can address and engage with with climate change so intersecting these two where you can hold the specific and also have an idea of the universal or at least the fact that we all breathe the same air and you know I think that's my passion and that's what I want to dedicate our our practice to even more so than we have, and and my own um, my own research, um, and so you know, as dean, it's wonderful because you get to support so many other faculty, young faculty, students, etc. But I I also think that uh, at some point when I step down, I you know I have to pick back up, uh, intensify my you know my own um, my own practice and really dedicate it dedicated to to that intersection and and just you know you have one chance in this life right as you know 2020 has been uh, if we can say challenging a fun year (laughs) (laughs) and and you know from from a big pandemic from crazy political atmosphere from uh crazy events Back in the Middle East, uh, a big explosion in Lebanon, ongoing unrest still in Syria and the whole region. Uh, what's your message to the to the Arab community here in North America, uh, you know, uh, USA and Canada, and you know, extending that to the to the to the Arabs uh, and Lebanese uh, back home. And so I, th- I think it's our role as those of us on the outside and the diaspora of, of Arab Americans and, 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 and Arabs in general to sort of come together and lift, the, lift, lift them, you know. And when the Beirut explosion happened, uh, a friend of mine, Makram Kadi, called and said, we have to do something. I don't know anything. And so 
you know, within within a few weeks, we we put together this Architects for Beirut, working with Design Miami, and we got architects from around the world to donate drawings and and were sort of you know just just gestures of solidarity. And and I do think that 2020 will be remembered as a traumatic year, but also there has been so many gestures of solidarity uh, in terms of protests around the world, the Black Lives Matter here, and um, the, you know, the, 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 the sort of uh, protests in Lebanon, the protests in Hong Kong, you know, there, there, there is a movement of people coming together is really powerful. And I think that um, my hope is that, um, you know, I, I, I never felt like an immigrant until four years ago <laughs> when somebody said you're an immigrant uh, in this, you know, I, I and, but now I, I'm embracing that uh, as some, as a sense of uh, empowerment to lift others. Uh, and so how, how we do that, you know, how we, how we kind of continue to lift people up uh, and not forget them. You want to, you want to immigrate and keep them with you and, 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 and uh, send back your strength and um, and just keep enga- engaging. And, um, you know, we, we will, um, there's always hope if there's work and, and passion and commitment. Absolutely. Right, right. How can our community support your mission with, with Architects for Beirut, for example? Um, there's still wonderful drawings on the Design Miami website uh, that are for sale from the best architects from around the world, across generations, and the uh, the money is being raised for the AUB, the uh, Beirut Urban Lab there, because um, we thought it would be nice to support the next generation of architects and uh, and you know students and and researchers. So it was important that it was in conjunction with a with a school and a university. And so um, happy to share the link with you, but. Um, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, we, we love the story. We love the conversation. Um, we really hope that your story is going to inspire not only young architects but also just young immigrants. I mean, this is this is a time when there's a lot of influx of immigrants into North America, and we all love an, an inspiring story because it's possible. You know, with hard work, with dedication, it is possible for us. Possible for us to build a home here, and you're just a great example, an inspiring example. So. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you both for your questions and for this initiative and uh, you know for making bridges uh, between all of us. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website to vote for your favorite story. And don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Good morning, together.